And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you were once caught, walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Jeannie, for reading for us. Do you feel weary or worn out from being a Christian? Um, are, you, are you tired? Are you exhausted from battling with, with sin? Are you weary from trying to live distinctively? Let me share with you a story about a friend of mine, his name, uh, let's call him James. And a couple of weeks ago, I was having a Zoom call like this. And he was sharing with me that because of this lockdown, um, he has been having a lot of time on his hands. And as a result, he has been, uh, to, to kill the boredom, he's been falling back into watching pornography. Um, he, he keeps trying uh, to fight each day, but he constantly fails. And so because of the constant battle against sin, uh, my friend James, uh, he's feeling really Weary. I was speaking to one of you guys the, a couple of days ago, and you shared that it has been really challenging to live distinctively uh, with your family members and with your colleagues. I'm sure many of us, we, we understand that feeling. Right? We don't like being weird or uh, being the goody two-shoes. And so many times, it's easier to, to stay silent, to back down. And so it can be really tiring to try to live distinctively. And I suppose for many of us during this time, we, we want to make the best use of our time uh, to serve the Lord. But often we are inefficient, we are unproductive, and we are often distracted. And it can be really tiring uh, to keep trying hard to use, to make the best use of our time. So are you weary? Last week, we looked at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 22, and we saw Paul's prayer. And Paul prays that the, the Ephesian church may know the resurrection power that is in work, that in Christ. Uh, the resurrection power that cracked open the grave, that reached down and raised him up and seated him at the right hand of God. The resurrection power which restores the world 
Uh, it's age defining, error changing, cosmic uniting power. But Paul in his prayer, he, he said something really surprising last week. And if you have a Bible review, let me read chapter 1 verse 19 for you. And so Paul prays that we may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us. You see, it's not always the case, but often the Christian life feels tiring with the battle against sin. So how is that power? Um, how is that power at work in me? Perhaps you might not call yourself a follower of Jesus today, and you, you might look at Christians, and they look normal, and there's nothing particularly impressive about Christians, and you might have heard them talk about this concept of, of sin, and you might wonder why they battle against sin, and you might think how, well, if any, power is at work in them. And that is our question this lunchtime. How is the resurrection power, the power that worked in Christ, at work in Christians? Last week, Paul prayed that we may know the power, but he doesn't stop there. This week, he tells, he tells us what we are to know. Uh, look down to your Bibles at verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. And you were... Uh, did in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the cause of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Now let me define dead for you. The Oxford Dictionary says, not Alive. Merriam-Webster says deprived of life. Dictionary.com says no longer living. Not unfulfilled. Not unsatisfied. Not sick. Not ill. Dead. You were dead. You might have seen the, the news report uh, in New York City a couple of weeks ago at the peak of the coronavirus crisis where they were struggling to bury all the dead bodies because the number of deaths were very high. You might have remembered the scene where there were many white rectangular boxes being stacked one on top of each other. And Paul says, you were dead. Firstly, the thing to know is that we were morally dead. I look at verse 2. We were following the cause of this world, following the cause of this world, of making a name for ourselves. Um, let me share with you another story about a friend of mine. Uh, let's call him Victor. Victor, he is not a Christian, and I was having a conversation with him a few days ago, and Victor was having a really tough time um, over the past couple of weeks, and he himself admitted that the reason why was all self-induced. Uh, he couldn't help but to feel really de dejected. And the reason why he was feeling this way was because he was so used to succeeding. Uh, he was so used of making a name for himself, of being respected by his peers in the office. 
but over the past two, few months, um, he, he hasn't been doing really well at work. And he couldn't help but to feel really discouraged and really dejected. You see, my friend Victor, he is enslaved to, to making a name for himself. And likewise, we, we were enslaved to making a name for ourselves. We were following the course of this world. But not only were we following the course of this world, we were following the prince of the power of the air. And that is the devil. Uh, we believe the lie that he came up with, uh, the lie that this world is all there is. And we even created slogans for, for the devil. Uh, you might have heard uh, YOLO, you only live once, or one life, live it, or live like there's no tomorrow. And, and we live that lie. Uh, we live as if this life is all there is. We, we live like, as if we would not be held accountable for our thoughts, our words, our actions. Uh, we were following the devil, the prince of the power of the air. And we also lived in the passions of our flesh, the desires of the flesh. Uh, personally, I, I can't comment for the ladies over here, but for men, um, passions of, of pride or loving the recognition of men or being respected or, or lust immoral speech, impure thoughts. Paul says that we were morally dead. But not only were we morally dead, we were physically dead. See, I, I don't think that I'm, I'm dying. Um, and part of the reason is because uh, I know um, I'm, I'm quite young. I'm, I'm not as young as I, I look. I've, I've got the Asian advantage. But Paul says, no, uh, you are dying. Uh, you are physically dead. And you might notice that in verse 3, uh, he says, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, and we are carrying out the desires of the body. And the word body there uh, literally is also the same word as, as flesh. And the point is, is this, um, as long as you have flesh on you, uh, this the skin, uh, the, the tissue, the organs that you have in your body, you are as good as dead. You see, the skin and the tissue and the organs that you have in you, it's inherited from your great ancestor, Adam. And ever since Adam stepped out of the garden, the world was dying. If you have flesh on you today, you are dying. And Clarice, uh, we can see that clearest in, in verse 3. Uh, we were by nature children of wrath, like the mess, the rest of mankind. Uh, you might say that sounds a bit harsh, uh, God's wrath on, on mankind. But if you, if you think about it, 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 makes, it makes sense. You see, we, we were God's enemies. We were fighting for the devil against him. We were creating slogans for him. We were encouraging others to join in to fight against God. And we put ourselves in the firing line of God's wrath. And we were all physically dead. And we were morally dead. We were physically dead. But we were all, all dead. I'm not sure when the passage was being read out. Did you notice the change in pronouns? So look at verse 1 again. And you were dead. Glance down to verse 3. Among whom 
we all want to live in the passions of our flesh. Um, you there, I would suggest, Paul is referring to the Gentile nations. And we there, he's referring to the Jews. And in just a change of pronouns, Paul is lumping the Jews in with the rest of the world. And the point is, the whole world, all, everyone, was dead. Dead, not sick. Morally dead, physically dead. And so I wonder what is your view of humanity? Is it one of progress, of evolution, of development? Or perhaps there is some truth in that. But the Bible's view is that ever since Adam took the first step out of the garden, there were arms reaching from the ground, clawing him back to the earth. A shroud of death loomed over humanity. Our morality was in darkness. We were in bondage to the devil. Uh, we were dead. And perhaps you might not call yourself a Christian today. Uh, let me ask you, what is your view of yourself? And let me assure you, I, I don't intend to be unpleasant. And when I first read this passage, I found it really, really shocking. But this is God's view of, of you. Uh, you were dead in your sin. You cannot help but to follow your own desires. You cannot help but to follow the devil. You are morally dead, physically dead. The Christianity only makes sense if you recognize this as an accurate description of yourself. You were dead. But, but it doesn't stop there. Look at verse four. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we're dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, we were physically dead, but now we are physically alive. Verse 5, we were raised with him. The same power that cracked open the grave and that raised him up has also raised us. Well, it's not to say that Christians won't die, uh, but that we will not stay dead. Some of you might have heard that Ravi Zachariah, um, a really famous faithful preacher, someone who loves Jesus, a faithful apologist, uh, just died over the last week. And he will have a new body, new flesh, new organs, new limbs, and not from Adam, but from Jesus. And all of us, if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, we will have new bodies from him. And ultimately, we see that in verse in the coming age, he might show the immeasurable richness of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In the coming age, when we are in the new creation, we will ultimately experience true life. We will see the full extent, the contrast between life now and life to come, and we will fully appreciate his kindness towards us. There are many aspects of, of this life now, which, which are great. And of course it is because it has been created by God. 
But because of the rebellion, because we were all part of um, part of Satan following him, um, the life now will be an immense contrast to life to come. It will be like living in lockdown compared to living life of freedom. But we'll be blown away by how amazingly good the life to come is. So the reality is not YOLO, uh, you only live once, but the reality is Zyalt, uh, you actually live twice. Paul says that we, we are physically alive in Jesus. But not only are we physically alive, we are also morally alive. Look at verse 6 again. And we were raised with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Once we were following the power of the air, but now we've been raised with him in Christ, in the heavenly places, above the power of the air. We are no longer under him. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. See, my friend James that I, I shared about at the start of, of this talk, um, in his struggle against pornography, uh, the fact that he is fighting and he's battling against it proves that he is morally alive. I mean, it's important for him to keep fighting. But if you think about it, the other lads would be joking about it. One of you who shared that you've been trying to be distinctive as a Christian. I mean, yes, it's important to keep trying. But the desire to be distinct is showing that you have changed lives. So are you, are you weary of being a Christian? Are you, are you tired from battling with sin? The weariness is proof that you are no longer following the devil, but rather battling against him. Far from being a discouragement, it is proof that you have resurrection power coursing through your veins. But you have been made alive. See, the devil's lies, uh, the devil says that it's, if you're trying and you're not making it, that's, that's failure. But God says if you try, uh, that means you are alive. Dead people don't try. See, the normal Christian life of battling with sin and that looks very powerless on the outside, is actually a life of power. So how has the resurrection power been at work in you? Well, you, you are alive. You are alive. You have been raised with him. You have been seated with him. You are morally alive. You are physically alive. Uh, you are alive. And you might have noticed when Jeannie was reading the passage first. There was a real contrast between before and after. We were dead and now we are alive. We were under the power of the air and now we are above him ruling. We were walking in sin. Now we have good works to walk in. We were objects of God's wrath. Now we are God's recreation handiwork. There was the evil spirit at work at the sons of disobedience. But now we are sealed with the promise Holy Spirit. But you are alive. So what does this mean? Um, two implications as we, as we finish. Uh, firstly, no boasting. Uh, look at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Grace, by definition, is, is undeserving. It is not your own doing. You remember, you, you were once God's enemy. You were following the course of this world. You were following 
the devil. You were creating slogans for him. You were encouraging others to join in against him. And you didn't deserve life. And you deserved wrath. And so you do not understand grace if you think you're deserving. Um, and also grace by definition must be, must be a gift. It must be a gift of God. And the resurrection power by definition is a gift. Uh, you, you may place a defibrillator in someone who has died of heart attack. But he cannot resuscitate himself. You may place a ventilator in someone who has died of COVID-19, but he cannot resuscitate himself. A dead people, they, they cannot help themselves. Uh, you can't give yourself life. So you do not understand grace if you don't see it as a gift. And the reason why, the reason why you have resurrection power coursing through your veins, the reason why you can battle with sin, the reason why you even want to battle with sin, because of grace. And so if we have been saved by grace, Paul says, so that no one may boast. Second implication, look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Being alive means that we need to walk like the living. We're going to explore more of this idea, what it means to walk in the second half of the letter. Ephesians is very concerned about what it means to walk. And, but first, we should say that being truly alive means that we need to walk like we're living. But the transform identity, the new status that we have, must lead to actions. Our actions and walk, they are hugely important in Ephesians. But before we get there, the first half of Ephesians, the main focus is for us to know, to understand, to grasp, to comprehend that we are alive. So for this upcoming week, um, are, you, are you worn out being a Christian? Are you, are you tired of, of battling with sin? Are you weary from, from living distinctively amongst others? Uh, Paul says that, that itself, uh, the tiredness, the powerlessness that you feel is proof that there's resurrection power coursing through your veins. And it's proof that you have, you have changed sides. It is proof that you are alive. So last week, Paul prayed that we may know the resurrection power. And this week, I think we've, we've seen a glimpse of what it means for the resurrection power to be at work in us. Personally, for me, I've, I found this passage really encouraging. Uh, but, but there's more. Uh, there's more encouragement to come. Uh, next week, over the next couple of weeks, we'll see a more evidence of the resurrection power at work in us today. Uh, but for, for that, you, you need to come back next week. Let me pray. Father, we pray that you may give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We ask that you may enlighten our hearts, that we may know the immeasurable greatness of the power, the power that you work in Christ at work in us. We thank you that we are no longer under the devil. We thank you that we are no, no longer dead to sin. And we ask, Father, that we might walk in a way which is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.